Well, thank you, John. I, th- I think, thank you, I think. I told him I was thankful he didn't call my parents to get any real dirt on me, you know, to share with you guys this morning. But um, uh, as John said, I'm Caleb, I'm the student pastor here, and I'm, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to preach this morning. Um, uh, and, and like what's already been said, what a wonderful way on January 1st, the very first day of the year, uh, to spend uh, together worshiping and engaging in God's Word together. And I think it's a, a wonderful way to start off the year. Uh, you know, probably over the last couple weeks, many of you have engaged in some traditions uh, that maybe you do every year surrounding the holidays. Maybe you gather with certain family. Maybe you watch certain movies, eat certain food. At my house, we love to play games uh, with my family. And my brother and I specifically like to watch two movies around Christmas, A Christmas Story and Christmas Vacation. Those are our two favorites. And I cannot tell you how many times we've, we've watched those movies, and we frequently quote them. And so we have a good time doing that. Another tradition, especially around today, is that people engage in preparing lists of New Year's resolutions. Now, you may have some of, there may be some different opinions in the room about New Year's resolutions, but I read this article on Forbes' website, uh, and it's entitled, Four reasons to make New Year's resolutions, even if you don't keep them. Which, yeah, here's some laughs. It's, it's an interesting title to an article. And so, as I read it, it describes some different, uh, some different New Year's resolutions, puts them into some categories, uh, categories like living a healthier life. You know, everybody wants to get to the gym, get the gym memberships, get the diets, all those kinds of things. Uh, living happier lives, so uh, maybe working on some relationships or uh, making more time for a hobby that you really love that improves your life. Uh, Another category was career or job goals, so working for a promotion or uh, looking for a a new job maybe that would would enhance your happiness uh, if you found that new job. But this article, really what it did was it recognized Though a huge majority of people that made New Year's resolutions didn't actually follow through. And and in fact, it actually said that only about 8% of people that make New Year's resolutions actually follow through with it throughout the entire year. Which I was kind of shocked, but also not kind of shocked because I've tried New Year's resolutions before and have failed miserably sometimes. So, um, uh, even though that it's such a small percentage of people who actually follow through with it. It said, it, it claims that it's still very important to make and have goals in our life. It feels good to look towards a future uh, where uh, you're living a healthier life or you have happier relationships. Um, and I don't know about you, but um, for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a goal setter. I like to have goals. I think they're important. And for me, to do that, I'm also a list maker. Um, I love a good list, so much so that if I do something in my day that's not on my list, I like to add it to the bottom and like check it off. Yeah. Some, some of you, I see some fist pumps. Some of you may think that's the weirdest thing ever, but you list makers out there know what I'm talking about. It feels good to check those things off the list and to see what you accomplished, right? A, a, a list, our life is full of lists, we, we have things that we have to get done. We have responsibilities that we have. 
Um, It's just a part of life. And sometimes that can just pile on and we get overwhelmed. It could be daunting sometimes to look at a list and think, man, I didn't get anything done today. Uh, So here's the good news. The good news is that, yes, I am going to talk about a list today. Uh, But this list has one item on it, which wouldn't that be nice if all of our lists just had one, one item on it. Um, this, this list has, it has one item, and, and my goal this morning is not to add to our already full lists of things to do, but actually to help us to see that there is a goal, there is an item, there's a resolution, there's a thing that we can focus our entire lives on. Uh, this morning we're going to focus on one thing, um, the one item that can and will when we make it a priority in our life change the the way that we approach every other to-do list, every other item that we have in in the rest of our life. So in scripture, we see this phrase, one thing used in a few different places. In Mark 10, 21, Jesus says to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. In, uh, In Luke 10, 42, Jesus says to Mary, only one thing is necessary. Um, and then in, uh, in, in John 9, 25, uh, the blind man says this about his relationship with Jesus. He says, one thing I know. And then our passage today, Paul says, but one thing I do. So what is this one thing? What is this one item on our one item to-do list? Well, let's look at our passage this morning to gain some clarity of that. We're going to be in Philippians 3, starting verse 12, going through verse 16. This is what it says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will clear to you, make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. May God bless the reading of his word. Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians. If you want a, an example of a goal setter, Paul was one. Uh, Paul was a very productive person. If you look at his resume, we see he, he, uh, he built a lot of churches. He, he started a lot of churches. He wrote a good bit of the New Testament. And those letters still today are changing the hearts and lives of people. Uh, Even before his encounter with Jesus, even though it was misdirected, Paul was, was described as a passionate and a driven person. So Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians not just to thank them for their generosity and partnership in in ministry, but also to encourage and challenge them as they live out their faith on a daily basis. He wanted them to, above all else, to continue to grow and mature as believers. That's why he wrote this letter and many of his letters uh, to these churches Paul was giving the people of Philippi the one item to-do list. Uh, followers of Jesus are to, be, are to dedicate themselves to the lifelong pursuit of him. To dedicate themselves to the lifelong pursuit of Jesus. 
That's, that's the one item on the what item to-do list. Now, as we study this passage this morning, we see that it plays out in three different parts. The first one is an honest view of me. See, Paul had an honest view of himself. His life is measured with healthy self-evaluation. Paul begins in verse 12 and 13. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. If you, if you look down at, at 13, he says, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it. So he, he engages in healthy self-evaluation. He understands where he is. He has an honest view of himself, and, and he makes it clear that he's not perfect. Um, even though he has some bragging rights. Just earlier in this passage in Philippians 3, uh, verses 4 through 6, we says, uh, it says, though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks we have reason, uh, they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He, he goes on to say, I'm, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he calls himself a Pharisee, meaning he knows the law backwards and forward. He calls himself zealous. He's passionate about what he believes in. And he stands up for what he believes in. He says, he says this, as for righteousness based on law, he calls himself faultless. So not only does he know the law backward and forward, he follows it to the T. So he's saying, look, I have a lot of past success. I have a lot of past religious success. But if we just go down to verse 8, he says that he counts it all as lost. See, after Paul's life-changing encounter with Jesus, his whole perspective changed. Uh, the one thing Paul is now striving for is not perfection in the flesh, but a deep spiritual maturity. He, he, he's looking for a, a deep knowledge of who Christ is, a, a, an intimate and personal relationship with him. And Paul knows that the pursuit of that kind of relationship uh, in that pursuit with Christ, his life had taken on a whole new pur purpose and a whole new perspective and a whole new meaning. So when he writes this letter to the Philippians, he's warning them and us that an unhealthy view of ourselves leads to an unhealthy relationship with Christ. An unhealthy view of who we are and who we were designed to be in Christ leads to an unhealthy relationship with our creator. The one who built us, the one who designed us, the one who created us. When we have an unhealthy view of who we were built and designed to be, it, it hurts that relationship with Christ. What he's saying is that our, our, our past success and our past failures should not hinder our present or our future with Jesus. It shouldn't hurt that relationship. Uh, I had some time over this last week or so to spend some time with family, obviously, as, as many of you probably did. Um, and I, one of my cousins uh, was over at my parents' house, and uh, he and his wife have two children, uh, Grayson, who's about nine, yeah, he's nine, and Finley, who is four. And I love to hang out with them. Uh, what I actually love to do is get them all riled up right before they go home and then just be like, all right, Chad, 
take, take your kids home. And he loves that too. No, he really doesn't. But uh, I love spending time with them. They're so much fun. I love playing with them and picking on them. And the, the cycle of it goes, we play, we play, and then I've got to go do something. And then Finley will, as many of you probably have experienced if you've hung around kids, she flops on the ground and attaches herself to my ankle, right? So then you're dragging her around, and I'm, then I tickle her to get her off my foot, and she lets go, and then we kind of start the cycle all over again. And it's a lot of fun, but it's hard to walk with a kid wrapped around your ankle. It's very hard, and uh, I almost fell a couple times. Uh, but, but my point is, I think sometimes our past can be like that little kid around your ankle that's holding on for dear life. That, that you feel like you're dragging uh, across the ground, that, that you feel like is making you, it hard for you to progress and to move forward in your life. Life is full of ups and downs. It's full of achievements and disappointments. It's full of success and mistakes. But what Paul is saying is when we let those things dictate our view of who we are in relationship to Jesus, it's just hurtful to that relationship. It's just hurtful to that. And so here's Paul's encouragement. It says in verse 13, it says, to forget what is behind and to strain towards what is ahead. Forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on Philippians uh, says this, when God promises and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more in Hebrews 10, 17, He's not suggesting that, we will that he will conveniently have bad memory. This is impossible with God. What God is saying is I will no longer hold their sins against them. And listen to this. He says, their sins can no longer affect their standing with me or influence my attitude toward them. So forgetting those things which are behind does not suggest an impossible feat of mental or psychological gymnastics by which we try to erase the sins and mistakes of the past, it simply means that we break the power of the past by living for the future. I love this quote by Warren because what it, what it helps us do is it helps us to see that our past can so easily have a hold on us. It can so easily take hold of us, uh, of our present uh, and, and prevent us from moving forward. But aren't we thankful that we have a God that is loving, gracious, and merciful enough that it doesn't have to? It doesn't have to dictate our future. It doesn't have to uh, drag us down. It doesn't have to keep us from a healthy relationship with our Savior. It's all because of Jesus. It doesn't have to. Paul knew that an honest view of ourselves, healthy self-evaluation, frees us to accept God's view of who we are in him. It gives us freedom to accept what God has for us. And, it, and that acceptance, that understanding of who we are in Christ, it draws us to pursue him, and that affects every part of our life affects every part of our life. So this is the first part of, of our one item. It's that we have an honest view of ourselves. We have self, health, healthy self-evaluation. The second part of Paul's one item to-do list is a clear 
view of Jesus. A clear view of Jesus. Paul had a clear view of who Jesus is. Paul often compared the Christian life to running uh, or to a different athletic events. And in this passage, in particular, he compares it to running a race. Um, verse 12, it says, I press on. Uh, in verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal. As Christians, we're pressing on towards a prize. This idea of, of press is, is to, to pursue after or to run after something to catch it. Uh, the, to, to press on gives us a picture of this running this race uh, uh, to reach this goal. That's what the Christian life is. It's, it's, it's pressing on. It's, it's running the race. Talk about races. I, I really enjoy the Olympics, and the Summer Olympics in particular. Some of those athletes, or all of the athletes, are amazing. But some of those athletes who, who run do some amazing things. Um, let me just give you some uh, some numbers of some of the uh, some of the uh, Olympic records. The hundred meter Olympic record is nine point six three seconds. That's that's fast. Uh, the the eight hundred meters, which is twice around the track, is a minute and forty seconds. And this is the one that I just I cannot wrap my brain around. The marathon over twenty six miles. The Olympic record is two hours and six minutes to run over 26 miles. That is crazy. That, that, is, that is amazing to me. I, I, I don't understand. What, think about the commitment and the, the sacrifice, the focus, the workout schedule, the diet it takes to get to uh, that level of fit and that ability. Um, it's just impressive. Now, while those athletes are impressive, I want us to watch a video of a different kind of race. See if you can tell the difference between the Olympics where everything's on the line and this high stakes race that we're about to see. All right, who wants to race me real quick? Oh, here we go. He's got time. He's got a big lead. Eurostep Estrada. Eurostep to the finish, but not quite there yet. Taking the security route. Take the time. He's like, you know, the path less traveled is generally the best way to go. He's looking at his competition. He's like, I got, I got plenty of time here. I can enjoy this. I'm a bass. And what I'm doing right now. We've got one baby that decided to just lay down on hey. their stomach. That is Allison Aliyup Duccini. Is seven going to take we've advantage got one, here? Oh, oh. Now we've got one that has stood up. we got a couple Corey more Swiss here. Smith. Here a we go. More it's a photo to the finish. finish line. Who's going to take it? Oh, Corey my Smith goodness. She stood up. Is she not even allowed. I oh, don't my think. goodness. The last minute. She got it done. The finish here. Man. Yeah. Yeah. What a come from behind win, you know? That's all. And I don't know, did she cheat? She was supposed to crawl, I think. I don't know. But anyway, what a come from behind win. Yeah. So we've seen some very, we've talked about and seen two very different things, right? One group trains really hard. They, they have spent their life focused and devoted to one thing. Uh, it took a lot of effort to be the best of the best. And then 
we see another one where probably very little training happened, maybe some messing around in the living room, uh, but there was very little focus from the athletes, right? Uh, In fact, the coaches, mom and dad, were doing everything they could do just to get them to focus on them and to come to them, right? It's... This, this is a, a funny example, but I think the comparison is one we can, we can talk about this morning. You know, an athlete, a true athlete, an Olympic athlete, uh, they don't succeed without focus. They don't succeed without focus and a singular focus. They, they are focused on one goal. Um, that's getting better. And, and while this is cute with these little babies uh, crawling around, um, our hope is that we we grow out of that a little bit. We get older. Our focus gets better. At least that's the hope uh, for us. Um, but, but here's the thing. We, I think we can get distracted in the here and now that we lose our focus on eternity and the prize that's awaiting for us. When it comes to our Christian life, we have to stay focused. We focus on our one item. We, we stay focused like Paul. You know, a good runner is focused on the finish line, and Paul was focused on the goal. He was focused on the prize. He was focused on his pursuit of Christ. Now, I'm not saying, and hear me, because this is important, I'm not saying that we can earn our salvation, that we can work for our salvation, because we know from Scripture that it's only through God's grace through the sacrifice of Jesus, that we are righteous. Salvation is is God's gift to us through faith. But when it comes to living the Christian life, it does require effort on our part. We're not earning our salvation, but we're living it out. It's a growth process. It it, it takes time. It, 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 uh, it, It takes effort. And with such a single purpose, with, with, with such a singular focus, it forgets the past and it reaches towards the future and it presses on. Our focus needs to be clear and fixed on Jesus. This reminds me of a passage out of Matthew 14 where Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water towards Jesus. And what happens when he takes his eyes off Jesus? He begins to sink. He begins to sink. Uh, while we're talking about the Olympics, um, my, my mom really enjoys to watch the figure skaters in the Winter Olympics. They do some amazing things, but one of the things that's most amazing to me is how they spin around in circles and then come right out of it and they don't even look dizzy at all. I can't even get on a merry-go-round without feeling sick. So like, I do not understand that. I had a student who was a figure skater. And so I asked her, how do you do that without falling flat on your face? Uh, and she said, well, as I was learning to skate and as I was learning to do all of those things, my coach, he said that I need to find something that's uh, to focus on. I need to find something that won't move, that I can focus on as I'm spinning around that will keep me from falling over. And it makes sense. It's probably easier said than done. I haven't tried it, and I'm not going to. But uh, it, it makes sense. It makes sense to us. And so as we walk through life, 
It's, it's important for us to have a focal point that captures our gaze. That, that, folk, that we focus our life through. And that focal point has got to be Jesus. Why, you may ask? Well, all throughout Scripture, we witness the consistency of God. In Malachi 3.6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. In Hebrews 13.8, uh, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ is consistent. He's an anchor to hold on to. He, he, in a world where everything around us is going to change, your relationships are going to change, your jobs are going to change, your schools are going to change, everything around us can change. But Christ is constant. He's the constant focal point that we can put our eyes on. See, Paul's focus was clear, and he was pressing toward the one thing, the one item of knowing Christ. He had a clear view of Jesus. The third part of Paul's one item is Paul had a hopeful view of the future. We can't change the past, but we can manage the meaning of the past. There were things in Paul's life that could have been like that kid around his ankle holding him back from the purposes that God had for him. He, he, he actually persecuted Christ's church. He, he, was, he was violent. But when Christ met Paul on the road to Damascus, everything changed for Paul. There were things in Paul's past that could have been weights to hold him back. But, but he stayed focused on Jesus. He had a new focus. But what you'll notice is that when Paul uh, met Christ, he didn't stop being ambitious. He didn't stop being zealous or passionate for the things uh, that he uh, found important. Uh, Paul just aimed at a new and better object. And that's the pursuit and the proclamation of Jesus. Paul gained a whole new goal in life that directed and influenced every other thing that he did. We try to run the race. When we try to run the race while still looking backwards, we miss the hopefulness of the future. We miss what God has in store for us in the future. Paul was fully focused on that hopefulness. Paul says this in verse 15. If in anything, uh, and, if, uh, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul communicates his confidence in God's promise to, to change the life of a believer. He trusted the, the Lord to work in his life and in those he told about Jesus. He had firsthand experience of it. He knew God's mercy and his response was to offer all of himself, including his future, as a living sacrifice to the pursuit and proclamation of Jesus. He trusted God. He, he boasted in his own weakness and boasted in, the, in God's greatness. And God used those uh, situations, those circumstances in his life to transform him. And so if God can do that for Paul, surely we can trust him 
to use our past and our present to continue to transform our lives? Surely we can. We also know Paul had hope in much more than just his current or future circumstances. Uh, he, he says in Romans 8.18, I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. The glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul strives to know Jesus and to make him known in all areas and all aspects of his life because he's captivated by the hope of a future with him. And he wants other people to experience the same life change and the same eternal glorious future with their creator. That's what drives him. A hopeful view of the future. That's what we should put our hope in. I hope we have for our future. This is the one thing we strive for. You may remember in uh, 2018, uh, for those of you who are um, uh, Super Bowl commercial followers, uh, there was a commercial that was created for Skittles um, by the Mars company who they uh, make Skittles. Uh, They decided that they would uh, design a multi-million dollar commercial, uh, and instead of showing it for the 100 million people that would see it during the Super Bowl, they decided they're going to show it to one person. Uh, one, and it was a high school student in Los Angeles. And so they did it. They, they put together this, uh, this commercial. They, got, uh, they, they asked David Schwimmer, uh, who is on the TV show Friends, to come and star in it. And they, they, they put a lot of effort into it. I think it was like 20 minutes long. And the only person that could see it was this one high school student. Uh, But other people could watch him watch it on Facebook Live. But he was the only person that's ever seen uh, the commercial. I found that interesting. Like, that it seems very, uh, well, it's very different than most marketing campaigns. You want to try to get it to the the most people that you can, Right? But th- what they said was that they, uh, they wanted to make the most exclusive ad in Super Bowl history. Uh, they, were, uh, they were going for an audience of one. And, and while that may seem very interesting, as I, as I thought about that, and as I thought about that in preparation for this morning, this is what I thought. If we allow it, others will write various and conflicting uh, standards for our life. Uh, but scripture calls us to work for an audience of one. Work for an audience of one. Uh, no more attempting to, to please every single demand on our time and resources uh, or, or, or pleasing someone else's description of what a good mom is, what a good dad is, what a good worker is, what a good student is, but to work for an audience of one. So what does that mean for us? What, 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 does that, what does that look like? Well, I, I think in search for our acceptance and affirmation of, of a lot of different opinions, we can run ourselves ragged and thin. Um, but by doing that, I think we miss out on the one thing. So what if, what if this year we focused on an audience of one? 
What if we focused on the one thing? I know we have a lot of things on our to-do list, and I'm not asking you or telling you that you should neglect responsibility. Uh, you still have to buy groceries. You still have to do your job. That's, that's not, it's not what I'm asking you to do. Um, but when we let our one item on our one item to-do list of the pursuit of the person of Jesus direct and guide all other areas of our life, it will change the way we interact with those things. This is what I pray for this year, for you and for me. So I pray in the year 2023 will be full of hope and anticipation of what God will do in you and through you as you pursue after him. Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, um, we're in awe of who you are and who you've designed us to be. Father, as we uh, seek to, to follow you with everything that we have, continue to, to, to help us to press on, give us wisdom in the moment, give us, give us the things that we need um, to be fully committed followers of Jesus. Father, we have so much to put our hope in. Help us to, to engage our community and change the lives around us because of who we are in you. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.